Hello and welcome to In Talks With, I'm Danielle Radojcin. In this episode, my friend, the journalist and creative director Simon Chilvers, interviews the British fashion designer Stephen Stokey Daly. Stephen is the designer of the brand SS Daily, which makes clothes for men and women that appear whimsically English and tailored, while at the same time playfully subverting traditional notions around public schools and queerness, as well as drawing inspiration from artistic pursuits and literary geniuses. Stephen grew up in Liverpool and studied at the University of Westminster, after which he did internships at Tom Ford and Alexander McQueen. He set up SS Daily in 2020, and in 2022, it won the prestigious LVMH Prize. In addition, Anna Winter has given him her approval, Sir Ian McKellen has walked in his show, and Harry Styles has worn his clothes. This summer, Simon visited Stephen at his studio in East London to talk to him about the challenges and rewards of being one of fashion's brightest emerging talents. Hi, so we are with Stephen from SS Daily and we are in his fabulous studio in Hoxton in East London. And Stephen, before we start talking about your recently launched Spring Summer 24 collection, sure. let's just start from your perspective of like, how would you describe the brand to someone who had no idea about the brand? My sort of initial mission was to take... Um, the idea of like British heritage, which feels quite stale and stuffy, and with maybe some negative connotations, um, and re you know interpret that for a modern audience that potentially isn't associated with the um, particular uh, class range of which heritage generally is. Um, so you mean like posh? Yeah, I yeah. mean like heritage. Posh. <laughs> heritage is like posh. Yeah, 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 and it kind of feels like stuffy old man in an armchair. Yeah. Um, with like a, you know, some sort of animal head behind them. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's kind of not that. And um, that line of inquisition started because um, I was at the University of Westminster, which um, ironically is not in Westminster, but it's actually all the way out in Harrow. Um, and the windows of the studio overlook the Harrow sort of like school. Um, and I walked like through the school every day to get to uni and sort of discovered the world that I had never really, you know, taken interest in before, but it's such a completely different universe. Mm. You know, sort of boys in twos lined up with straw hats in one hand and like super disheveled old box in the other. It's kind of like a Harry Potter, <laughs> you know, film thing. Yeah. Um, and then I sort of made my way through, you know, those like vintage references um, of like public school culture, like Brideshead, um, Morris, another country, which I'd seen before, but like never really put two and two together. That that oh that's that's this, and that still happens now, hmm. you know. Um, and then just start getting super into the political uh, undertones of these schools, kind of directly feed like the majority of our governing body, etc. And you know. Um, just yeah and queerness as well yeah queerness because the queerness aspect I think comes because um, if I directly compare my experience of school with theirs the sort of things that they're celebrated for in an all boys school in a masculine sort of way were the very things that sort of separated me 
in a way that I felt like oh that's that's quite you know that's queer that's gay what are you doing mm. you know so, so it's yeah. like the, the respect for the arts mm. um, even on an aesthetic level if you look at like the Henley you know boat races the huge floral hats and things it's like just from I'm not from like in a, in a Liverpool but like the sort of if I was to walk around with like a flower hat sort of thing even for a school thing it'd be like oh what the fuck yeah you exactly. know if you're not in like a tracksuit in one tens and you are gay and get off the bus sort of thing anyway yeah so this kind of like weird sort of extreme of like posh public school yeah. versus the realities of that mixed with yeah those kinds of iconic rides head type yes and then and then it was all about this like this moment of uh, we had in, uh, we had Charlie Porter come and visit um, during our final you know um, collection and um, I sort of really clicked with Charlie and he in, immediately sort of understood like this line of inquisition that wasn't necessarily um, villainizing that aesthetic and I think that's something that I've kind of now come into is sometimes people are like why are you celebrating this like typically Tory culture if you're you know so not that and it's kind of like well I'm not celebrating it it's kind of more just um, appropriating it for my own <laughs> well picking it interest. apart yeah exactly. and looking at it and studying it and finding the queer references in it right and then, you know there's there's aspects of beauty within it and there's 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 a real um there's a real sort of like fantasy element of that world you kind of you know um, candidly you kind of look at that and think oh god I wish I went to school on this gorgeous hill this beautiful castle and this incredible library you know um, and so yeah it's kind of it, it was, it's never really um, it's not really about like celebrating um, the negative connotations of those you know establishments or you know it's not really about that it's kind of um, a bit more removed from that mm. um, yeah giving it a new spin yeah for sure I think that's how that's how the brand that's how I started in 2020 on my BA Mm. Um, and then it's it's sort of from that moment of grown and and evolved into its its own thing where it's kind of less about that one particular reference point and now it's I think um, we've sort of built this little tiny little universe in which the clothes exist and the boys exist and the shows exist and the brand you know lives and now it's kind of just like we're filtering through those different ideas, like kind of like a spider web of what these things are attached to and ideas of like, you know, different class cultures and, you know, the sort of past life of different British aesthetics. And for the new collection for Spring mm. Summer twenty four, which yeah. you should which you kind of launched in Paris mm-hmm. in June. Um, and it's called Merriment, mm-hmm. which we'll come to in a minute. But um I love the idea that the, at the core of this is the idea of the life of an artist. And mm. I was sort of wondering when you were thinking about this, was some of this, because you have grown in your own artistic confidence in, in this collection? Yeah, I mean, yes, but I never really considered myself an artist in a, in a funny way. I think sometimes fashion designers don't. Um, I don't really call myself an artist or um, find it difficult to call myself a creative in a way. I don't know why. Because it's such a it's such a unique practice, I think, fashion, in which that your output is not solely for um, admiration, or, or for you know to be viewed. It's kind of not solely for that purpose. And so, 
um, when you're removed from that in which it is solely that for that purpose in like a you know an art school environment mm. I feel um, less inclined to be uh, to label myself as that I don't know why um, oh, I think that's a really interesting debate that's never ending and it's been going on for like years like art versus fashion and you know it's fashion art and all of that and I mean, we've talked about that before but and I think it will be a dialogue that keeps going Forever. because they speak to one another. But like, why, why mm. did you choose to think about at this point in time, right. like the life of an artist in this particular collection? Yeah, I think I um, went to the recently went to the, the Freud exhibition and um, admittedly had, had never really investigated Freud as an artist that I, you know, was interested in prior to that. And um and I just kind of found that I, 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 I grabbed this and like the book, yeah, the book and sort of read through it and, and found his journey really interesting, mm. actually, um, even to like where he starts and where he ends up and these like sort of gorgeous um, scenic like paintings like scattered throughout. Um, and when you say scenic, you mean the ones of like nature the, and plants. Yeah, and... you know, it's just kind of I had what I'd known of Freud was never this. And yeah, so like a picture of daffodils. Or... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And um, then I started to like um, I always sort of look at the artists like quite separate from their work, and became I just kind of fall in love with seeing people in their environments. You know, mm. there's a really beautiful <laughs> image of 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 him sort of stood in this like really really British sort of net. With these like two little flags and it kind of gave me like that regatta like, rowing vibe and in a, in a funny way it kind of just felt like aesthetically maybe superficially it just belonged in this world yeah um and then you know it's sort of like when i look at the people who have inspired the the um, artistic output of what we've done so far you know, like vita sackville west cecil beaton um virginia wolf they're all like creators in their own different you know, rights and ways. And um, it's never generally about their work, it's more about them and the way in which they are captured, which I think is so interesting because they obviously, except for Cecil, um, the others aren't really the point of focus in their own world. It's kind of like me when I'm asked to like, you know, someone take a picture of me, I'm, I always like shrivel into the corner and would rather actually, <laughs> we just we just, we just just focus on <laughs> the stuff that we're doing. Um, but I kind of find that really interesting. Mm. Um, that's why Hockney's always on the board. Um, and um, I mean, I I'm a, the hugest Hockney fan. I know you are. I know. But what's why do you like him? Um, I like him for his. I like him for his um, image. I mm. think, and his choices, mm. and sort of when you like look at an image of him those choices that he's made of his own presentation I find really interesting sort of like the the odd socks and a few images and like the little knitted ties and I just find that he's he's um, yeah his expression through his own choices of clothing are really interesting I think both Freud and Hockney's appeal from a kind of stylistic perspective are also to do with the fact that they had a look or mm. they have a look mm. in David Hockney's case and it is a look which evolves with them as they age, but it doesn't really change. And yeah. it's like this kind of brilliant artistic uniform yeah. that isn't in any way a uniform to most people's idea of what a uniform is. And it's kind of, there's a kind of like interesting idea about that because obviously, even though they look amazing, mm. 
they are also ready to paint work. They don't right. want to be distracted by that. And it's quite funny with Hockney, particularly when he's kind of like, has a sort of dandyish vibe. In yeah, some, totally. But, but in a super soft sort of Sebastian Flight, Brad Teddy way, you know. Mm, yeah, um, totally. And, and I'm kind of obsessed with, with that. And it's so true about the uniform thing because we started looking at like the uniforms of public schools and it's kind of like moved into like the uniforms of which artists like choose to wear because obviously it's not a prescribed notion. Um, it's, yeah, it's interesting. Um, and with like, you were talking about the outfit with Freud and the flags and on the sweater. Yeah. Are there any favorite David Hockney looks? Um, yeah, this is kind of the one of him in the car with the green suit on, I, I just, and the little knitted tie, I think that's yeah. brilliant. Yeah. Um, and it's been on my board um, for every season. Yeah. Um, I adore that. Um, yeah, he just is, he sort of kind of is that like foppish bride's head boy in a funny yeah. way. And I kind of also find that like he doesn't always reflect his personal, his artwork in a way. He mm. does on a very surface level, but it kind of feels different. Mm, yeah. Which I kind of find is mostly the case, you know. Well, he's also like, I think he's also kind of incredibly British in mm. his like mindset, but at the same time kind of global and also very opinionated about stuff that's not connected to fashion right. as well, which, uh, to art, which I think is brilliant. Like when he goes on his rants about smoking and how it's good for his mental health and all of those things. Yeah. Like, I think he's got, it's a characterfulness, isn't it? It is, yeah. But I can see why that fits with what you do. So why was mm. it, why is it called Merriment? Um, so um, I'm kind of obsessed with the, the you know, like um, discovered sort of like British plates with like slogans and things. And we found like, we found one of them a few seasons ago that we had the You and I Are Earth one. It was in the London Museum. Um, and then we found like nine since then. They're quite hard to find actually. Um, and one was um, All Merry Men Go Down, which I just thought was really funny. Um, and so we kind of changed it to like All Merry Men Go Down the River um, about this sort of, you know, like, this rowing idea. For this collection, you did a shoot, which mm -hmm. is kind of like the models look like they're sort of the artists, but then quite often there are these naked men <laughs> in the foreground of the image, which, yeah. so it's quite, it's quite a sexy... Yeah. shoot tell me about the sexiness and also just the shoot itself why you decided to go down that avenue yeah obviously we have um we've experimented with like the output of like a fashion show the last like you know three seasons um and to we wanted to transition to this different sales schedule which is june and in which case we just didn't i just didn't feel like it was a show season um and the first season we did outside of um you know the first season we did uh, with Harry Lambert. Um, the stylist extraordinaire. Yeah. Um, we did a lookbook shoot and it was really lovely. And it was a really great way um, to like sort of um, fully encapture this eclectic, sort of in, at times chaotic universe mm. uh, of, of, of what we were doing. Um, in, a which, in a way that shows you can't often do that, mm. you know. And so it felt really nice to sort of return to that for a season um well you're much more in control as well about how the clothes look in images aren't you because in a show like the clothes can move in funny ways and they get captured in funny ways whereas in a shoot situation you're kind of in control and you can do it all yourself which i love yeah, of course. <laughs> um 
that I, yeah, um, kind of really wanted to explore this idea of, initially it's kind of like this um, moment of um, life drawing in like a, a, in a dorm room in a school sort of environment. Like that's kind of right the initial reference point. But then we found this incredible space that um, is the home of an art collector. Um, and it just kind of took a new, a different turn. Like, so the thing about lookbooks is you can definitely have in many ways more of a creative output. Um, and we, I don't really tend to like to do things just, you know, um, too simple mm. in a way. There's always something going on a little bit extra. Um, and it, the sexiness sort of made me think of the, when you shot everything on sheep shearers, because they were yeah. all really sexy. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's a really interesting thing about the brand, which is the English heritage, but with sexiness. Of course, and it's the th- it's a duality that I think we are constantly like playing with. Mm. Um, and this idea of this life model, um, it's kind of an interesting thing, because when you think back to like your first experience of life model, it's like an interesting, you know, awakening at times because you're doing it at such a formative period in your life mm. um, what was your first life drawing class like oh um my first life drawing class was um it was great mm. with a really you know fabulous life model that, yeah. looked, that looked amazing attractive. yeah super attractive mm. and were um, you a bit overwhelmed by it a little bit yeah, 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 yeah. But, but I was also in the, I was kind of like late to the party like it was I'd missed the first one I think and so I think everyone else in the class had had their their sort of like startle moment yeah and so I was in I was in one panicking like oh my god why is everyone so like fine <laughs> um, but no it was um, yeah and I think you're totally right when we think back to like SS22 when we did shoot um, the collection on real sheep shearers in Cornwall it's super sexy because it's this different aspect of, of masculinity in which that the clothes don't necessarily explore um, from a reference you know point of view I don't know we, we like to play with those different ideas mm. you know um, and it was, it's important, isn't it? To, yeah, because also it's rooted in. We do have this this um, you know, this queer and interesting output, and the way in which we view um, masculinity is such under fire, and uh, you know, in a way that it's it's the the topic of conversation, isn't it? This whole mm. idea, and and it's um, yeah, maybe just a different way. Of communicating that, yeah, I think and so. ex- and sort of poking at it. I mean, I remember um, the season. I think it was this, the stately home yeah, season. Yeah, the first boy came out in a pair of pants. Yeah, and yeah, I was like, oh, okay, this is like a little bit of a kind of fresh vibe, right? Because I think the thing that we well that I am keen on is that it's not just about this one idea of, of, of heritage and, and it's not meant to be stuffy and it's not meant to feel buttoned up all the time and it's kind of it is a sexy thing I think and like Brideshead and Morris and Another Country all have undertones of, of um, you know it's it's totally sexually charged in different points and so it's the brand is what I'm trying to do is in these different moments is juggle those two things and that feels like the subversion that kind of feels like the reclamation of it all that kind of is the point mm. so when you when you start out as a designer with the, all of these amazing references and you're digging into Freud and you're looking at um, different books and plates and all of that stuff yeah what's the point and you get to where you boil it in all up yeah and then it becomes like a rack of clothes or a series of outfits like how where's the 
What's the journey? Mm. I don't hold myself too strictly um, with a set journey. Every single season's been different, to be honest. Brilliant. Yeah, and um, I think sometimes people can get confused in the way I work because for me, it's kind of like it's visual links as well as those like narrative links that are in the air. Mm. Um, and so two things don't necessarily look like they should be next to each other. It's kind of the reason why they definitely are going to be next to each other, if you know mm-hmm. what I mean. Um, and like, it's kind of, um, how does it become a rack of clothes? Some things can be super referential and some things can be quite literal. And then some things are super um, abstracted from their initial, you know, purpose. Um, but I think we're, we're quite referential uh, and you know we're not we never we don't really start from like complete scratch with anything it's always about like repurposing ideas or garments that have um, an archetypal purpose and so in this collection talk to me about a few of the key things that are um, exciting for you like I had a little look and yeah. I'm never not excited to see the ducks I was chatting with a friend earlier and the duck is this symbol that appears in everyone's household in some way or another, in everyone's grand's household mm-hmm. in, in, in England, you know. Yeah. Um, ceramic ducks, plates, yeah. etc. Know it kind well. Of, yeah, they're kind of everywhere. <laughs> and it's kind of like you can lift up a duck and find like a dozen eggs in someone's house. Yeah. It, it's a ceramic, you know, yeah. that sort of thing. Yeah. And it kind of does feel like that, for me, it, really, it, it was just the complete icon of... of British heritage without feeling too referential to the world of like hunting which I kind of avoid mm. massively yeah. and what about the dash hounds so I live in in Angel yeah um, have you been to Angel recently <laughs> I mean yeah. Uh, yeah and and every street corner you turn there's six stacks and you're like, <laughs> just running around they're everywhere seriously yeah. they're everywhere and we walk to work every day and we're like we make the comment every morning, oh, we, sometimes um, me and Leo, we count them as we go to work. Do you? That's so, um, fun. Yeah, I mean, it just kind of felt like um, a super natural and progression from duck to dog. You yeah, know? absolutely. Um, and it, it just kind of feels like the brother of that original. What are the other things in the, in the collection that you love? I think this season we've had a bit of a narrowed focus on tailoring. Mm. Um, and like sharpening that tool and like it's kind of the season kind of has been about elevation for me um, refinement because uh, we're coming up to our, like third year as a thing and so it feels like we want to have I want to have that like um, documented progression um, and I feel like that's evident in the tailoring it feels different it feels worked on um, and so I'm most proud of that I well, I think that's a really important part of a brand development, isn't it? To find certain key parts that you can then refine and kind of right. move on, but like continue to have the kind of exactly visual motifs. Right. And we've always like offered tailoring throughout, but we've never really offered like such a range because it's quite... It's also trendy at the minute, isn't it? Like, I mean, True. everybody's talking about... Well, I just said the word trendy. Um, everybody <laughs> is talking about tailoring. True, but also I think when we look at our the people who wear us daily, um, they do range from the young and and the the trendy, yeah, um, <laughs> air quote marks, to um, but to like 
you know, older guys and like mm. people who would be like at Chelsea Fowler, like, we get pictures sent to us of like guys at Chelsea Fowler show like in full suits and it's like, oh, we only did one suit that season. That's the suit that like three people have been seen wearing. So um, it's catering for the for, for everyone really, but also you can't really talk about like British heritage without like touching on a suit and twisting it and, you know, making it something different. What does it feel like when someone sends you a picture of someone wearing your clothes uh, at Chelsea Flower Show? Yeah, it's weird. It's 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 weird in a great way. You know, it's um, almost. Um, I feel a bit more impressed in a way that it's kind of reached, <laughs> um, not just the London bubble of people. You know, yeah. um, someone did send me um, a picture of someone wearing like a duck cardigan in Scotland on a train. I found that really interesting because when you're in London and you see people wearing stuff in London, you're kind of in that small, closed off bubble, but for it to like reach other places is, is super exciting. Also to see like um, um, people in, in Japan and Korea and, and the US are wearing stuff of all age ranges is, is yeah, it's really, it's, it was really odd at first. I remember the first time we saw someone was when we got on the overground in London and saw someone wearing like a knit opposite us. And I was like, we have to move, we have to move, we have to run down the other side of the train. I don't want them to see me in case they know who we are. Like we've got to, I don't know why I just felt so embarrassed. <laughs> I love that you felt embarrassed, it's so I cute. don't know why, I was like, we just had to get up and, and run just in case. I, I know. That's but... such a British <laughs> It totally like, is, yeah. Quintessential British reaction. Ah! Yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I find that really odd, you know, when people, when people like, no. Yeah. Um, Anna Winter always comes to the show. Um, I was actually sat kind of back to back with her at the last one. And oh. Every time I tried to take a picture, I thought I was going to hit her hair, <laughs> which I was quite scared about. Um, this is perfect. Well, it's so perfect. But what can you tell us about the most powerful woman in fashion? Um, interestingly, I find that um, Anna Wintour has, holds for me some of those properties and elements that Hockney hold or, you know, Vita hold. They similarly have a uniform that they've sort of, you know, um, curated over time that sort of reflects what they do as an output. And I find um, Anna to be uh, a super inspiring person, actually. Um, She's been mega supportive, hasn't she? Yeah. But yes. Um, Yes, she has. And I'm super grateful for that, of course. I think we had... There was maybe my, one of the biggest pinch me moments of my entire, of this whole time. Um, it was our first show in the sort of new gen space in the underground of Selfridges. Yeah. <laughs> and um, you sort of have no idea what you're doing at that moment. Mm. You know, it's your first show, you've no, you've no idea what you're doing. Because everyone sort of comes to you and says, what do you want? I'm like, I've not been to a fashion show in my life, so I don't know what the norm is. And we did things very differently that season. We worked with like the National Youth Theatre, um, and I had no interest in doing like a fashion show show. And so we, we did like a play. It was kind of at the time in which theatres were closed at that point and runs were being canceled because someone had COVID, etc. And it kind of felt important to um, offer up this space in which people are going to be observing for sure. Um, and um, I know that Anna loves theatre and that's why I think um, the wonderful Sarah Moa put uh, Anna in touch with us and sort of brought Anna to our rehearsal. And so we were told the night before, oh, Anna Wintour's going to come to your rehearsal of your first show. And we were like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was amazing. It was obviously yeah. we were so excited, but we were like, I don't know what I'm doing. We've never done this before. <laughs> Is it going to be 
immersed is going to be great. But um, <laughs> she came and it was it was amazing because we worked with the incredible Paul Roseby at the NYT um, to like you know direct and curate this sort of fifteen twenty minute like three act like drama. Yeah, <laughs> um, which you costumed. Yes, and. Um, and yeah, no, it was it was amazing, and that was the biggest pinch me moment of of time, I think. Mm. And it feels quite like it feels quite exciting to say that you know she witnessed our first show. It feels mm. kind of momentous. Um, and the fact she came back means she must have thought it was good. Yeah, hopefully. I think I think she. I, think she yeah. I mean, that was uh, such a moment. I remember. I think I wrote on Instagram that this would be one of those shows that everyone remembers because to you exactly what you were saying about the we was we're all been really starved of like seeing something right. happening in front of our eyes that was um moving and people interacting and talking to each other in a space that was real as opposed to like being on a screen mm. you're also working on the vogue extravaganza that's ha- coming to london which seems to be like a sort of performance or show or something i haven't quite worked out exactly what it is but what do you know about the vogue extravaganza um, I think that um, it's going to be in September. Yes, and uh, something also that I think is super admirable of Anna is that she, I think, is 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 doing this the Vogue World thing, and I think that part part of it is to aid um, to stop the closure of theatres in London, which I think is um, that's kind of the whole reason why I do those things as well of of like injecting performance into fashion because. Theatre is such a different industry than fashion. Fashion rolls and it rolls and you've got something to, you know, it's exchanging product mm. and it's an industry that you can build on and build on and build on. But theatre is not. And actually it's kind of like not, um, it's not in an upward trajectory really. And I think that's really sad, especially because theatre for a lot of, of people of all different classes can be a, a huge entry point into the arts. And I think seeing the eradication of theatre in education, um, I think it's super important that fashion, which is a titan of an industry, you know, mm. it's such a huge player, really lends its voice to those other industries that without theatre, I don't think that fashion would be the same, no. you know, from the beginning. And um, that's, um, I think, one of the purposes of Vogue World, yeah. which I think is brilliant. Yeah. Um, and also a huge reason why I feel such respect for... I mean, also just by the fact of bringing some attention to London in a time which has kind of been kind of difficult with mm. Brexit and everything that's yeah. happened. Um, let's talk about um, a topic which I was, before I came to meet you, worried would take over the entire podcast. Oh, but, um, oh yeah. Okay. The obsession with Kate Bush yes. and how you first discovered her and what the obsession is about. Um... I first discovered her, I think a family member was playing her. And I have had no, it was, I know exactly which song I first heard. And it was um, moving into the saxophone song because it kind of starts with like these the whale sounds. I was like, what the hell is this? Was, I've never heard a whale sound. I was like super young. I, mean, I was like eight. And I was like, what on earth is this on the radio? Like, why are we playing this? And um, I just know I became completely obsessed at that moment mm. um, also I I don't think Kate is, is heralded enough really as like uh, the pioneer of 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 music and art and, and visual and video and fashion and mm. theatre mm. I mean also Kate has this amazing 
thing. I'm saying Kate as if I know her. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, pretend you do. For the purposes yeah, of the I, podcast. I, will, yeah. um, <laughs> I just kind of, uh, I think you can see a lot of similarities in the way in which I've formatted my output into how she has. Like, mm. you know, she came back after so many years and she did a super closed off private, like run of theatre shows. Yeah. And I found that to be just so exciting, you know. They were really, really performative as well. I, I didn't mean, actually go because I. I hadn't... mean, I cried. Did you? I think three times. I mean, right. the second act when they play the ninth wave, right, which, in its entirety, which right. we'll come on to talk about in a minute, because yeah. obviously the autumn winter collection, which is about to come into the stores soon, is, right. was based on that for you, wasn't it? Yeah. But it was like insane. It was like watching a movie. Like right. there was this helicopter sound that came out of the sky and then she's on the bow and I mean, it was nuts. It was so crazy. Yeah, but that's why I love her so much yeah. because she's always had this um, integrity for her own thoughts and vision and I just adore that so much. Um, she's another one of those people who is completely singular in her output, yeah. in the way in which she's approached her output and she's she's got this kind of incredible way of like, as you said, of blending all these things that are cultural into like the red shoes and all of those mm. different things that books i mean there's a literary theme in a lot of what she does yeah but the ninth wave particularly which to, if people don't know is like the second half of hounds of love and it's this designed to be this one suite of music yeah why was that for you like such a kind of start point for autumn winter 2023 um i Myself and my partner, Leo, are both obsessed with Kate Bush. Independently, we came together because of Kate Bush, I think. And um, Oh, I love that story. And the Hound, Hounds of Love is his thing. Okay. That's his That's his favourite album. Yeah. Uh, Hounds of Love and Dreaming are his. And kind of, I'm more um, The Kick Inside, The Red Shoes, um, Never Forever. That's me. So we're kind of separate in those. And he did own in our sort of ownership division of, of the albums. <laughs> he, he owned that one. And... Um, and I was talking to my family about just new, like, sort of family, like, um, memories. Or not memories, sorry. Like, new things that had come into the family recent, in recent possession because of a bereavement that we had discovered. And about my, like, grandparents, like, their parents and their lives. And we had, like, a box full of my great-granddad's... Um, like like note, notebooks and pictures and like trinkets and bits and bobs from his time. My granddad, he was in the Merchant Navy. And um, there's just so much about his life that my my grandmother wasn't privy to until she had these these things fall into her lap. And so we um, together had sort of like peeled back a different, you know, layer of our family history and the connotations of that. And... and um, and at the same moment, Leo and I were talking and this part of the album obviously speaks so much to like being sort of like lost at sea and this whole idea. Um, and the two just sort of went together really well for me. And it's a season in which there wasn't so many visuals, actually. It was kind of more about this this floating idea in, in the air. And so when people were like, what does it look like this season? I'd be like, well, it... it sounds like this yeah. <laughs> and people are like what um so yeah it was <laughs> it was that's what i mean isn't a different approach to every season then yeah um which keeps people on their toes and also keeps your brain engaged in creating clothes and and being excited by doing that that's it it's, it's staying excited mm. i think 
Um, and it started this show. I mean, basically, you arrived and it was kind of like in a. There's these big screens of waves and right. there was a kind of capish feeling in the air. But then <laughs> it started yes. with. I don't know if, how anyone would have predicted the beginning of this show, which was suddenly Sir Ian McKellen came out mm-hmm. in this like incredible sort of naval-inspired outfit and started reading Tennyson. Right. How did that happen? So, of course, um, Tennyson inspired Kate to... The, the Ninth Wave is Tennyson. Um, and I sort of did a deep dive into The Ninth Wave prior. And... Um, we had, I had this incredible sort of surreal moment where I'd connected with Say and McKellen and, um, and this idea for the show just came about so naturally in conversation. Like he was asking me what, like what we're focusing, what I'm doing this season, what are the ideas? Because I think he, he knew that it's always quite narrative led. Um, and he is also an ambassador of the NYT. So it's kind of very circular. Um, and yeah, I was I was telling him about the the ninth wave and the whole Kate Bush inspiration, and he 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 and Kate are you know friendly. Um, I didn't pry too much into that. Getting but. ever closer <laughs> to Kate, know. Stephen. It's like you're like thread away now. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, I think it all felt very comfortable for him as well. And I sent him the, the initial extract of Tennyson, which is like fucked 15 pages long and we were like we're gonna have to cut this down considerably <laughs> and I think we did we'd cut it down like eight times before we got it to like a length that was like suitable also Sir Ian is on tour at this point with Mother Goose he's across the country he was in Newcastle I think and he he got um he got the, tr- the train that morning he'd finished and he'd packed up and left this I think Newcastle he was on tour the day before yeah at like 2am came to London for us and he arrived quite amazingly on the back of a motorbike um, to the you show. You are kidding. Seriously. Because I was like, I got a text like, oh, sorry, he's, he's going to be outside <laughs> in like five minutes. And I thought, obviously, it's going to be an Uber or, you know, an Addison Lee or something. And he's, he's on the back of a motorbike. And I just thought, how can this man get any, any more, you know, incredible and amazing and impressive and how can I adore him anymore? And yeah. Gandalf on the back of a motorbike. Wow. I think there was a group of tourists that walked past at the moment in which he took his helmet off and they were like, what? <laughs> it was oh my brilliant. god, that is what you call a fashion moment. Oh, uh, it was, it was, yeah. I was like, oh, hi. He's like, hello. Hi, Sayin. Um, um, you mentioned briefly at the beginning of the chat a little bit about Harry Lambert, who sure. is, works with you and starts yeah. the show and has been a champion of yours from the beginning mm-hmm. and works with some very interesting people. Mm-hmm. I wanted you to talk a little bit about the Harrys because obviously Harry Styles has worn your trademark big trouser, which mm. if anyone doesn't know, is a very wide cut leg trouser and he wore it in the golden video. Right. Um, tell me a little bit about both Harry's and yep. then I want to know who would win in a dress up competition. Oh, that's a good one. Mm. Um, Harry Lambert has been uh, one of the most supportive people. Um, such an uber talented, crazy busy person who always finds time to listen and talk and help, you know, and, you know, help build um, SS Daily, in which he's been so crucial to. Um, and we, yeah, met in a very modern way in which uh, a friend sent me his Instagram story. He was looking for, like, younger designers to, to help with a shoot, I think. And... Um, I sent him some of my grad stuff. I was like, just about a month out of uni at this point, sat at home like twiddling my thumbs in Liverpool, 
Um, and uh, he loved it, but he said it wasn't right for this project. And so he was like, can you bring it next week for a different project? And I was like, okay, great. He's like, you are London-based, right? And I was like, yeah, of course. Uh, <laughs> Whilst in Liverpool. Whilst in Liverpool, like frantically hem- hand-hemming everything to perfection. Um, and so we, we sort of like came down, dropped it all off, and, and he was sort of like very casually in that moment. Oh yeah, this is a project for um, for Harry. And I was like, oh, I thought you were Harry. He's like, oh no, Harry Styles. And I was like, oh fuck, of course. You know, like this is crazy. Um, and yeah, and then it became it became that Harry wore the st- the the collection for the Golden Video, um, which kind of um, just like boosted everything. Mm. Um, in that it must have been such a surreal moment. Yeah, it was, and I feel like everything sort of changed from there. Things were like going anyway and um we were selling stuff and you were making stuff and we were you know doing our thing but then um it never helps it never not helps to have your clothes on someone in the public eye i mean it's of course how it works but also it was just such a felt like such a good uh, fit a good fit it was like such an easy marriage you know and they're both called harry which is also quite brilliant yeah who would win in the dress off um oh god uh Who would win in a dress off? <laughs> What's the vibe of the dress off? What's the goal? Where oh, are we? What club are we in? Well, they're, they're going out somewhere really fabulous. Like where are they going? I need to know. They're in Miami. Oh, right. <laughs> maybe maybe Harry Lambert would win that one. Okay, interesting. He would maybe. Okay, but um, yeah, both we love both Harrys. <laughs> It's very nice that that relationship sort of continues as well, doesn't it? Like yeah. You're working with them and mm-hmm. so kind of... Um, are you designing anything for Harry at the minute? Well, um, you can't say. Come I can't, on. That face was like, I can't tell you that. Well, you know, it's kind of like, I feel like I'm a bit of a doctor. Um, what is it? Like patient, client, yeah. uh, patient, doctor. Privilege. Oh, yes. <laughs> okay, so what do your parents make of the fashion business? What do oh. they think of it all? Well... It's quite interesting, you know. The fashion business is, um, it's it's quite it's quite crazy. It's quite insane, you know. It's ludicrous, really. I come, <laughs> I come from a family of um, bricklayers, contractors. Um, my gran was worked in a sewing factory for a period of time when she was younger, so she had you know three percent of an understanding of what it is. Um, I think at first it was like they were like, "Woo, this is great! You know, amazing! You're really you're doing it. You've you've gone and studied for the thing you want to do, and you're actually doing it. I mean, that's that's super successful in today's you know day and age. It's quite rare to do that now. Mm. So I feel very privileged. As a side note, um, but now I think it's gone. Now they're like, Jesus, do you get a break? <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, Is this real? I spent Christmas Day in the studio last this year, and on that moment, at like it was like four p.m. on Christmas Day, and I was like. I can't do this again. I'm going to... Yeah, you can't. No, but you know, the, it takes, I think, it takes that sort of devotion, dedication to get it moving. It's a, outside of the fashion industry, starting a business without sort of, you know, external help is challenging. B, in this climate, even more challenging. C, in fashion, in this climate, is crazy. You know, mm. it's really difficult. And mm. I think that people shy away often from that. It's carnage and it's crazy, and you sort of have to really throw your entire life into it. Um, it has it has been my entire life for the mm. last like you know two and a half years, and finally I think we're starting to see this corner that we're turning that it feels like oh I can actually step away for five minutes, ten minutes a day, you know, 
Thank you very much, Stephen. Thank you. Very fun. It's very nice to chat. Yeah. Going off now to try on some duck jumpers. Yeah. <laughs> You've been listening to In Talks With, with me, Danielle Rodeutchen. The sound and theme music is by Woogie Productions, and the artwork is by Patrick Waugh. If you enjoyed this episode, please pass it on to someone who you think might also like it. Please subscribe and leave a review. To pitch for guest ideas, you can DM me via my socials at Danielle Rodeutchen. Thanks for listening. <laughs>